everything okay? Because I know sometimes when you do like a major, people do major changes in their looks. Oh, sure. That means that there's like a major change in their yeah. life they're going through. And I was kind of felt like that's really presumptuous of her if it weren't like completely, I didn't even register to me that it was completely true until right. she pointed it out. I had just like broken up with this girl that I'd been seeing for like a year. Yeah. Uh, and like, and I'd been planning on shaving the beard for like a few weeks. But I think also I knew on some level that the breakup was going to happen for a few weeks. So and it's kind of cleansing in some, even in some yeah, subconscious way, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. It's like I just need to mix things up. I need to stir the pot a little bit. Here. Yeah. And then I had the no beard for like a month or so, and all the uh, females in my life were like, "Oh, that's great. No, good. No, you look good." And then I started growing it back, and they're like, "Oh my god, you look so much better with the <laughs> yeah, beard." And that's I was like, so nice. It was nice of you to be sweet and diplomatic. Yeah, it was nice. And now. Now that I've forgotten to shave for a week, you're uh-huh. like, oh, like, thank oh, God. There he is. There's our friend. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that is interesting, though. Like, I know right before, like, I, you know, uh, I had my, my surgeries to have my colon removed, I went yeah. to get, like, a, I wanted to get a mohawk. Mm-hmm. And the guy, like, talked me out of it, so I had this terrible haircut. This is a story <laughs> I've told before, but it was like, I just wanted this, like, I'm going through some shit. I yeah. just do this thing that I've wanted to do forever. Yeah. It's like a perfect excuse to do it. And then he fucked me up. He, like, didn't do what I wanted. But, like, it was purely just because, like, you just I'm going wanted, through a thing, yeah, and this feels like a well. This is the time to do it. It's a great excuse, and it's also weird, like how bad we are at com- like just, at, personally, anyways, at like communicating in a conscious way what you're actually dealing with. That mm-hmm. you feel like you have to like change yourself so yeah. that people have those questions. Like, yeah. it wasn't a conscious thing when I wanted to shave my beard, but I realized after the questions were asked, I was like, oh yeah, that is totally what it was. Um, and, like, how bad am I to, like, not be able to, like, say to people, like, hey, I'm going through some shit right now. Instead, yeah. I have to, like, you know, change some stuff up, and then maybe you'll ask me a few questions about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, it, I mean, I guess that is partially the reason. I think I, I, even in doing it, I don't even know if, maybe, on, I guess, on a subconscious level, you do want people to ask about it. But yeah, I think yeah. more than anything, it's just, like, I just want something different. Yeah. Than whatever I'm feeling now, I don't want yeah, this. Yeah. Whatever want the stasis it. is, let's just, like, fucking change the scenery. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of... Uh, I think why I've moved around so much, not only just in New York, but in my life, because, I mean, I did in my life because my stepfather was in the Air Force, right. and so there's some part of me that's, like, like gets a little bit uh, restless for being in one place for too long. Right. Um, you get itchy feet. Yeah. But then I also, like, really, a bit like a nester. Like, you are sitting in my home now, and you can see that there's just... Yeah. Tons a of... A lot of books. Tons of, of books and crap, and just, it's just, it's cluttered. I, I think it's a homey cluttered, I like to think. But, no, it's great. Uh, but it's definitely like... It feels very uh, you, I'd say. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because it is indeed yeah. very me. Because it's like a little bit, um, it feels like, uh, this feels like a, a beard and a sweater, this place. <laughs> Which that's, I feel like is, is pretty the, much open. That's the vibe I was going for. Yeah, yeah. If I could put a big cardigan around the whole place, I Yeah, would. well, it kind of has that vibe. Yeah. With yeah. the robot paintings and whatnot. Yeah, I like those. That one, um... There is named Martha Boodle, uh-huh. and when I was first doing these paintings back in LA, Opus has a bunch of robot paintings that he's done. Yes, there's a, that's, there's a big one that's named Crushatron, and mm-hmm. Cordy is another one. Uh, but the one of the first ones I did is this sort of like female-looking robot uh, sure. with a little blouse on, and she's uh, reminiscent of uh, 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 the Rosie. Yeah, the she's a little Rosie the uh, Rosie the robot from the Jetsons, and also. Yeah. A little bit like Lego, a gray Lego head kind of. She's got a sure. cylindrical head. It's not my, it's again, one of the first ones I did, not my finest. But I put a picture of it online. This is, you know, proto-internet, like Flickr or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I named it Martha Boodle uh, based on this just, I loved the name. It was a, a girl I went to school with in when I was living in Belgium okay. um, at the Brussels American School. Sure. And um, 
And I got this email out of the blue from Martha Boodle, who was like, oh, really? who are you? And why do you have a robot named after me on the internet? And wow, I was that's like, fascinating. oh, and it's only then that I remembered that Martha Boodle had a, had a brain, I mean, sorry, a bone disorder of some kind, and actually had like big metal sort of a, a frameworks coming out of her, her arm and hand oh, wow. that had like a spanner on it that would help her bones sort of stretch out. But it was only then that I put put it together like that. Oh, that's ho- horrible for me to name a robot right. after this uh, girl who had had, you know, metal uh, some problems, problems, some issues. yeah, that, yeah. that caused you know, these sort of metal armatures on her that were built into her body for a while. Uh, and I just had to apologize profusely and be like, I just like your name. It's Martha Boodle. It's a great name. I'm so sorry. And she's like, Oh, it's fine. And then she asked me if I'd. Um, you know, heard the good news about Jesus, and I said, no, but thank you. Oh, oh Thank no. you, though. But, uh, you know, and then we had a nice little but back that, and forth. That, that's interesting, because that news is not new. No, it's not. It seems like... It's like, did you hear? It, yeah. Gravity's a thing. <laughs> it's not exactly FDR one. Yeah. She seems uh, She seems like in our little back and forth to be very happy. And I don't, I don't, okay. know, if, I don't know if she f- even made that connection. It was only after, like, I actually... Right. I sort of abstracted that name, and then when it was once again attached to a human being that I remembered that it was... That there was some robotics at yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But she didn't seem to be offended in any way. Well, good. When well, she she's Jesus in her life, so yeah. that, that does help. That that's, helps, that's yeah. That's forgiveness. Yeah, totally. Um, so I interrupted you with beard stuff and then and then Martha Boodles. Oh, I don't um, remember even what I was going for, so good. We're done. Okay, great. Well, that was mm-hmm. short and sweet. I mm-hmm. liked it. Um, so, uh, are, are, is there like a... Do I intro myself in any way? Or is no, this... I'll take care of that. Oh, okay, I'll tell, say all sorts of disparaging things about oh, you, good, and then, and then with through your story, you win the audience back. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what was the question again? Um, just something, any something sort of terrible? terrible things that have happened that have like been, uh, you know, life affirming in some capacity. Oh, I, life affirming. Well, not necessarily life oh. affirming, but just like a things like, um, you know, I, I've talked about this before, but the reason I started this whole thing is because a i was yearning for something that felt a little more personal yeah and more earnest because you know working in the fields that we do there's yeah. a lot of you know sar- sarcasm mm-hmm. and i feel like comedy in general is moving away from that like that that yeah. super 90s sarcastic yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not so much in that anymore yeah but still like it's all very surface oriented yes and that's okay and it's lovely i mm-hmm. like i like what i do it's fun yeah but like sometimes just yearning for like I don't know, uh, a real connection and talking to people. Yeah. More so beyond just uh, what would be a great way to make fun of uh, a, a Putin <laughs> dick joke or whatever it is. Oh, there are so many good Putin dick jokes. There really jokes. are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, the, the, the base level for me of, of, like, the kind of superhero origin story of, like, uh-huh. why... Uh, I would be a, a comedy writer. Is that uh, like I like I mentioned? My stepfather was in the Air Force. Uh, my mom got divorced. My mom and dad got divorced when I was four. Um, I do remember a lot of people telling me that it wasn't my fault, and not having ever thought it would be my fault before everybody tried to tell me that it was. Isn't wasn't. that a weird thing? Yeah. You just you make this assumption in the same way. I don't know. It feels like almost like the woman who wrote to you, like, "Are you going through something?" Yeah, yeah. Because they're just like assuming you're probably thinking. Yeah, this. and I was like, "No, I didn't." Well, now I do. Yeah. I, and I also remember, this is all super vague, but it was like our house on Doug Road in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Um, and me and my older sister, like my dad and my mom were having a conversation on the front porch and we were supposed to be in bed, but we had like snuck out mm-hmm. and we're like inside the living room listening. And I couldn't really hear and she was listening. And then like, and I was like, what are they saying? What are they saying? And she's right. like, they're getting a divorce. And I was like, oh, and I had no idea what that meant. And I thought it was some sort of something a divorce so you it's a, it's like a physical a, tangible yeah thing. like a, some sort of kitchen appliance that we're getting and I, I had no idea what that meant until 
uh, you know, then it became the time of like splitting the, the time between the mom and dad and. That's so interesting. Just it, when as soon as you said that, it, it like harkened back to me. Like I remember probably being a little bit older, like six, seven, mm-hmm. and uh, I would always come in my bedroom, uh, out of my bedroom, and like sneak around the corner. And there's like a hallway, so I'd like be on the other side of the hallway, and I would just sit there and listen to my parents argue. Yeah, because my parents were both like wonderful people. But like I remember when I was like four years old, being like. You guys don't seem like really <laughs> gel. And if, like, as a four-year-old, I'm thinking that yeah, like, it's yeah. probably not great. Like they're both wonderful, but they're just they were not. They were two yeah. ships going in different directions. Sure. But I remember just like it was like this kind of this like fucked up Norman Rockwell, yeah. like me sitting listening yeah. to like them just disintegrating and just yeah. being like you know unable to communicate and just being like kind of hurtful to one another, awful to one another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, not like malicious but just like no, these are two people that just could not fucking gel I've been an awful person when I'm arguing with someone yeah, I'm in a relationship with and that's, yeah that just happens yeah um, yeah it's a little it's a little terrifying because like you also have such an allegiance to both of them when you're that age that you're like uh, I will say like to their great benefit both of them in, in like a sort of public sphere never ever tried to like talk shit about each other right. when I was like with my dad or with my mom they never tried to talk shit about one another because um, they both were you know they're both good people and smart enough to know like that's a bad that's a bad thing yeah. to do with a child but you pick up on it and it's weird you and, do pick up on the energy but I, I've kind of uh, offset to because I've had friends my ex like her parents divorced later in life yeah um, and I kind of think that it's maybe a little bit easier to go through divorce when you're younger because everything yeah. is kind of in flux. In flux, yeah. And also, as a child, they're the I think the primary concern if they're decent parents is protecting you. Yeah. Whereas if you're older, you're more a peer. So yeah. then it's more like, well, then you can rag on the other person a little bit more because like, ah, you're old enough. I don't need to protect you anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I I do remember harder. talking. I, I've talked to some friends who have had like, you know, parents divorce later in their lives, like in their teenage or even their twenties, and it's. I remember at first when I started talking to them, I'm like, what are you, what are you, like, you're, you're almost an adult, like, yeah. grow up, but then I realized you're almost an adult, and, like, your whole life has been this thing, like, yeah. so for you to have this uprooted now is, like, it was, like, four years of my life, of which, you know, I can remember probably two hours worth, grand total, like, at this point in my life, Yeah. my, my, my memory is almost completely that of having divorced parents, so it must be, it must be really tough, but I just don't, I don't know, can you imagine... Your your parents being together because they're to me they're just such different people. Yeah, I don't I don't and I don't have very many memories of them being together that I'm like how did that even work? Ever? Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember there was one time in which my parents were uh, uh, I was in the back seat and like this mm-hmm. old big white Buick that they used to have. When mm-hmm. I was young. I was like six or something, and they were talking about that they had to go to the grocery store and my mother was listing the things that she had to get and yeah. she mentioned that she had to get like I need to get like you know toilet paper and milk and popal towels she meant to say paper paper towels mm-hmm. but it came out as popal uh-huh. and my dad made fun of her like they did like a, they did like a bit about being a pope uh-huh. and they were both laughing yeah and I remember being like oh wow look at this wow they're enjoying each other's company yeah and that one moment like it was so unique and rare yeah. but that moment was like oh I kind of understood like there's probably a time where there was more of this yeah and now that's just kind of gone but yeah like, it felt i don't like i, I see yeah. a, a brief moment of like this is probably why this worked at one point i don't don't have a single memory like that mm-hmm. i mean and again like it's i was younger than you were but like i just don't uh 
I, I don't even see like that they have like interests in common like right. other than like Tom Clancy novels maybe sure that might be it yeah that um, conversation might go so far yeah exactly uh, and so it's actually kind of been a little bit weird the past I don't know five years or so uh, my older sister has now has three daughters and um, so Christmases we usually go down to North Carolina right. where uh, where she is and you know spend the Christmas there because that's where the kids are sure um, and what'll happen is my you know, my mom, my stepdad will go down for, uh, you know, a certain period leading up to Christmas, you know, and then maybe a couple days after. And then my dad and my stepmom will come down uh, for like, you know, a week, maybe starting on the 26th or so. And there will be like a day or two in the middle that overlap, right. um, which is a new thing. Uh, and, you know, they've been, they were together for my sister's, you know, they were in the same, they were at the wedding at my sister's wedding. But right. other than that, like them being in the same room together is is just not a thing that happened in my whole life right, really. right, right. and now it's like a, a yearly occurrence and there's nothing there's no nothing goes wrong there's no like arguments yeah. there's no there's nothing but every part of me in that moment is just seized with like a like this terror of like a that like you know a four-year-old child like just right. knowing that something's gonna go wrong and and it, it's just i mean again they're very fine with it it's purely yeah. just me being weird about it but it's it's just something in my entire life i've like grown to be like because I think at that age, when I did see them in conflict, it was like this, again, you want to idolize them both. You wanted them both to be perfect. Sure. You don't want to have to take sides, and you don't want either of them to be sad. Yeah. Um, and I just remember, like, just it just being the worst thing in the world to see them in any sort of conflict at that age and and not knowing how to, like, where my allegiances were supposed to be. Not that they're yeah, supposed to be any. but that does feel like a weird thing because... You used to a united front, and then it splits. Yeah. You're like, well, uh, uh, where, where does my affection go? Yeah, I remember um, very early on, my dad at first moved to this sort of apartment building, uh, high rise in like Hartford, Connecticut, um, and we stayed in the house. And I remember going to visit him in this uh, this apartment, which was sort of this, you know, kind of now I realize, somewhat dingy one bedroom. Yep. You know. Uh, I, I'd never been to an apartment before that. Yeah, isn't that fa- it's, it's weird the thing the things when you're young that seem so fucking magical. It was crazy, yeah. yeah. And there was also a we got to we got to sleep on the fold out couch. Yeah, which now I'd be like, ugh, no, I'm an that. adult with a back. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> as a child, I was yeah. like, whoa, so exciting. Um, but I do remember in the sort of very sparse like helping my dad move in, and there was a pair of old shoes in the in the like hall closet that mm-hmm. belonged to whoever was there before and they just never been cleaned out and I I had like a like a little bit of a panic attack breakdown like, like dad we have to get these shoes to the people like oh wow they, it's soup like th- th- this guy doesn't have his shoes we need to get his, we need who is he we need to find out who he is we need right. to find his shoes and I only really thought about that again like recently and went like well yeah of course like as a five year old like helping my dad move into his new apartment like I'm concerned with places being people things being in the right place you know what i mean like things being whole things being whole things being home you know uh and also like i think there's a part of it that means like this is someone else's place now as long as she's shoes here you know uh so yeah it's just it's it's just a weird part of life it is a weird part i remember just being like because my dad is can't cook for shit Mm -hmm. and uh so like every time i'd be there we'd just get like some sort of fast food yeah subway or wendy's or pizza and it was like always like i'm going to dad's we get fast Yay! food it's exciting yeah 
uh, even though like the house was like covered in dust and <laughs> was vaguely haunted, but it was like still like a fun time. So but like, vaguely oh, haunted. Yeah. Like ghosts were like, boo, maybe? Babe, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want. Whatever. Um, okay. So you're, so when, so how did you end up in, your mom got remarried. Yeah. So. And then you just moved all, like, all around yeah, the world. Yeah. When I was like, I was like seven. Uh-huh. Um, my mom got remarried to uh, my stepdad and. Um, was that weird? Did you understand what was happening? Because seven is like you're, you've got more conscious thought. Yeah, you've thought got a little more conscious thought to it. It was a little weird because uh, I think it, it happened pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's no secret um, inside of my family that there is less than nine months between my mom's remarriage and my little sister being born. Oh, uh, sure. That being said, they're, they're still married to this day and it's, you yeah. know, uh, 35 years later or something. So no, they made it work. They made it work. Um, but. Uh, but I didn't really, I, I, I may have met, I, I don't honestly remember if I had ever met uh, Sully, my stepfather. Right. Um, I'm, I'm sure I did, but it, it just was like suddenly like, I felt like I came back from like summer vacation at my dad's or something and uh, suddenly. Get her getting married. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't even at the, at the ceremony um, and it just sort of happened and I was like, oh, okay. But also the resiliency of youth is that you're like, this, this is, is I guess happening this is now. what it is now. Yeah. yeah. I had already, you know been sort of in this world where I was bouncing around and like everything was pretty much in flux for, for a few years there. Like and my yeah. dad had gone to a couple different places and found a, found a, a condo and, and then suddenly now we're moving to Colorado to live out there. And Holy shit. Yeah. That's a big move though. That's a move that you feel. Yes. It's not just like across town and yeah. everything's still kind of the same. Yeah. No, that was definitely weird. I, there was a lot of like, that was kind of rough because I, you know, I love my dad and like I, I was actually very close with him early on and he... You know, when he remarried, he actually didn't have any other kids. So, like, uh, myself and my older sister is, like, very important to him. Yeah. And it was hard for him. Like, looking back now, it's, you know, you don't realize when you're a kid and your dad's sort of a dad. Yeah. But, like, that was really tough for him. And, yeah. and it was really tough for, for everybody. And, like, I just remember having these, like, phone call conversations both in, in Colorado and then later when we living overseas. And not wanting to get off. But this was, like, back in the early 80s when, like phone conversations were like by the minute like you'd have to pay like a dollar or two depending on where you're calling from Mm -hmm. and two it seems insane now but like this sort of like well we have to get off because we've been on for an hour and like you know that probably cost a hundred dollars yeah uh and just being like in tears just like not wanting to uh, and that was always the case i think even when there was across town like i never wanted to leave the place where i was at because i never wanted to sort of disappoint that that person um because it always felt like it was a even though it was never my choice, it always felt like I was in in every in every time I was sort of transferred. It was like a little bit of it. I felt like I was abandoning them. I'm somewhat responsible. Yeah. yeah Has yeah. that translated to your adult life? Do you feel like that you are something of a, for lack of a better term, people pleaser because of that, or is that? Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, I think I think that's a lot of what you know was was thus was born a comedy writer uh, because I do think like I had I sort of had this feeling that I needed sort of like you know, be somewhat pleasing, be somewhat entertaining. And like, I definitely got attention, you know, when I was being sort of broad and funny, especially from my mom who like, uh, you know, had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And so like, I, I do remember early on, uh, me and my sister used to be able to like, when we were very little, my big sister, uh, we used to like do like whatever, a somersault or whatever. And my mom mm-hmm. would be like, that's amazing. And then uh, after a while we were like, Hey mom, I'm going to do an amazing here. Look, I'm doing another right. amazing. Right. Um, 
I think that has played a lot into like my adult life or even my like teenage life. I I don't like doing things just okay. I don't like just like skating by. I almost failed out of high school because I didn't want to just do like homework. I wanted to like, I would like skip like weeks and weeks at a time of like just doing a homework assignment. And then when it came time to do like, like a big project, I would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember doing a puppet, this may be like seventh grade, doing like a, a puppet uh, a play based on um, Oedipus, the mm-hmm. Oedipus, and I built these puppets, and at the end, like the the eyeballs would pop out of the Oedipus puppet, oh, shit. and like I had like little red streamers that came out to Whoa. be the blood of the. You were Max Fisher. All I was place. totally like, yeah. yeah, Wes Andersoning it, but um, but I remember like working for like just days and days on that, and then like when it came time to do like, here's your you know homework assignment worksheet, I'd be like, I just yeah. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I would do it, but it would be the kind of thing that I would do it in homeroom that morning. Yeah. Like, because I would just, like, I think that's what, like, I would just, whenever there was, like, a, there was usually, like, especially in English or in science or whatever, they they make options of, yeah. of projects that you could do. You mm-hmm. could either, like, write this thing, mm-hmm. take this test, or do this presentation. I'd always be like, yeah, presentation. Presentation, yeah. Because, like, I wouldn't have to do fucking anything. Because yeah. I just, like, I just got good at talking mm-hmm. and bullshitting. Yeah. So, and nobody at that age, like, nobody else could do that. So, yeah. even though, like, I did actually it was probably all over the place but just the fact that I was standing up there and just like Being grandstanding like yeah. P.T. Barnum yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. well I guess that A minus great sure yeah Take I mean I was work. I, you know I was still pretty shy but somehow didn't realize that like the shyness of being in a social situation which I still have is I don't know it's, it still is somewhat different than the shy like being in front of a class and like being you know giving yeah. a presentation and I just uh, yeah I, I feel like that's still somewhat of an, an, an issue with me. Like, sure, that doing, doesn't go away, right? Yeah, no, none of it really does. It's a thing. Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's uh, so interesting and maybe telling that like you just learn to to call a somersault an amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that like just really, I don't know. I think that uh, on some level really sort of defined how I did things for a long time and still does like I'm still very bad at like those long lead like I should sit and write something every day and like in right. in in, a, in like a year's time I will have a novel like that's I fail the marshmallow test every time yeah um, but like I work on a show where it's a deadline every day and we put up a show every day and having the pressure to do something big every time is like that works for me that's a bit of a thrill yeah yeah because every day you're doing it amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. As opposed to like, well, I'm gonna limber up today, yeah, and then I'm gonna limber up more tomorrow, and by the end of the year, it'll be it'll amazing. be fantastic. No, yeah. I've only reason why I'm a good writer is because I tricked myself into actually writing a lot because I always thought I was a really good writer, and now I look back and I'm like, I was, I clearly that was, was, that was no, bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that was bullshit. But I believed it enough that I was doing it enough, and I thought I was doing amazing things all the time that I put in that ten thousand Malcolm Gladwell yeah. hours yeah. to become actually pretty good at it. But I mean. I do remember, like, I was also also like a quote-unquote gifted kid. Okay. Um, and I did get a lot of pressure from teachers and my, my mom and stuff about, like, why I'm not being as gifted as I should be sure. gifted. Why aren't you applying yourself? Exactly. Uh, which, there, there's a good point of time when I'm like, maybe I'm just not that, <laughs> maybe I'm not that smart. I think I just fooled somebody once and yeah, they just right? expect more of me. Uh, but I thought, like, you know, doing something well doing something like completely adequately was like a almost a failure to me you know right just doing something 
perfectly adequately um, was just not something I felt good about. And I, I remember like the like literally the first time I like asked a question like in was I think in high school like in like an algebra class like in freshman year mm-hmm. and just genuinely not knowing something because again like you can bullshit your way you can sure. do the oral report you can you know I learned to read fairly early so like stuff like the very basic stuff that they teach you in elementary school like eh, skated by on that yeah and then like you, I got into to middle school and like now I'm supposed to actually learn I'm like oh I've never actually done that I've never no. studied or whatever yeah. and I remember being like just ter- like feeling like absolute shit like going up to the teacher and asking about some element of algebra that I didn't understand and feeling like such a failure when in retrospect that is the job of a teacher yeah. like that is the point of being in a class is to learn and to like to not know something and then and then ask the to question gain that information yeah. um but like I just always felt like I was supposed to go into those situations like with the full knowledge like I mean the, the story that my mom tells which I don't know if it's true because I don't remember but is that like you know I taught myself how to read at a fairly early age and um my sister who's like two years older than me was like learning to read and I had already sort of taught myself how to read and then mm-hmm. I was according to my mom who is a bit of a storyteller so sure. take it grant salt. well it comes comes with that yeah. I'm sure you learned that somewhere yes uh <clears throat> the story is that I was sort of like keeping it a, keeping it a secret and that she had um bought a new book uh, that she hadn't read to me. She'd seen me reading, but she just assumed that like I had learned, I'd memorized the memorized words. It, yeah. And then she had bought a new book and saw me reading that, and she asked me to read it out loud, and I read it out loud. And then she went and bought a whole new book in case I had read that somewhere else. Right. And I was reading that one too, and that she sort of realized that I was just sort of I'd done that and probably absorbed like my sister as she was learning. I probably right. absorbed those lessons, um, but that I was like I knew that it was like not I was not supposed to do it yet. And I, right, right. So I was keeping keeping it quiet so my sister didn't feel bad. Now. The fact that my mom has told that story a number of times throughout our childhood rubbed it in. Didn't it doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't bode well for my sister, anyways. But um, see, I was the exact opposite. That I had one book mm-hmm. that was called Danny and the Dinosaur, mm. and I remember that sure, one. Sid Hoffman, the, yeah, Bron- Bronosaur, right? Yeah, the yeah. green thing, yeah. And um, read it so much that I had just memorized it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I was like a year and a half old and I like started like one night to my dad I was like let me read it tonight and he's like mm-hmm. uh huh okay sure and then like started reading he's like oh my god yeah holy fuck we have a genius yeah. and then I got to like page like 20 and then like my words were off mm-hmm. it was like just the beginning that I really yeah, memorized yeah. and he's like oh we don't have a genius we have a con man <laughs> um, yeah, you know yeah. maybe a rain man yeah, yeah maybe. sure sure uh, yeah so so you, then you started you moved everywhere I did yeah that so it was Colorado for three years, then Germany for three years, Belgium for three years. Um, what was that like living uh, in, because I remember just like, that's a big reason we went to the same school, we went, both went to Emerson, that's a big reason I chose to go there, it's just because I could go to, I wanted to go to Europe, it was like this, yeah. such a mystic place, but yeah. you've been there when I've you were been young. There. I, I actually never did the uh, the castle, the, the, the Emerson Europe program, because I, you know, I'd spent six years in Europe when I was yeah. growing up, but... Uh, I kind of regret it now because going, just knowing people who've done it, like going there as a, you know, college student with a bunch of other friends. No responsibility whatsoever. Very different than being like, you know, yeah, 12 and yeah. with your parents. Um, I, uh, I really didn't have a, uh, a wonderful time, uh, on, to be honest, like yeah. in the, in that world. I, I, A, when you are, uh, you know, preteen and a teen, 
uh, you, which is just kind of the hardest time to live in worst, general. It's just the worst time to yeah. be anywhere. You don't want to be. You just you know everything sucks, and so the fact that I was you know in the middle of this sort of all this culture and history it just meant nothing to me. I just that all just went down the drain. And I was also living, um, we weren't living on bases. We ended up living on the economy, um, which is the whatever military talk for not being on a base. Right, right, right. Um, but we, I went to school that uh, for uh, the schools I went to, um, the uh, Kaiser Slaughter Elementary School. Sure. And uh, Russell's well. American School, yeah. yeah. Even though I lived closer to Ramstein Air Force Base, which was, of course, you may know the, the band Ramstein. Yeah, sure. I oh, lived, is that what it's based on? Well, it's the town. It's the town. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I live, I live like one town over from Ramstein. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, but yeah, I went to Kaiser Southern uh, Elementary and, uh, and they're, they're both, uh, both those schools are run by the Department of Defense. They are, there's a branch of the Department of Defense that uh-huh. has, you know, there are places overseas and kids need to go to school and so they have, uh, they have schools. I don't, I, I don't think it would shock anyone to say that maybe the Department of Defense's main priority is, is not, not education? education. Yeah, sure. Uh, and it also might not shock anyone to know that uh, that those places and the people in them are, in general, slightly more conservative sure. uh, than I maybe was. And I think, even though my mom got remarried pretty young, I, I still felt like this sort of sense of outsiderness. A lot of my friends in, in school were... You know, military kids from from the time they were born, and like they wanted nothing more than to like join the same service that their father or mother right. did, and um, and it's just, just there's nothing wrong with that except for I didn't want to go to like a military history museum with you know right. Chris Clements and his father to look at like Rommel's you know attack in you know the whatever Rommel and Remus is that what sure it is? <laughs> Rommel chases somebody I know it's through the African plane yeah and... I think I think you're thinking Romulus and Remus which are the... yeah that's that's true that's, that's I'm that's, thinking yeah you're thinking that's different wolf babies but yeah it's okay I barely know any of it I know it. Rommel chases somebody through like northern yeah. Africa I'm I not I'm not good at it See, that's why I paid attention my schooling did for me <laughs> I'm confusing uh, yeah okay continue <laughs> no I just I I couldn't I just wasn't uh, of an interest to me like and yeah. I just just felt like like not only was I genuinely like a just you know weird nerdy kid in this sort of more conservative environment, uh, I just had no interest in the things even that my nerdy friends were into necessarily. Right. Um, so it was yeah, and I also just was a I had a friend in Colorado when I lived in Colorado, was Colorado Springs, um, uh, whose name was Danny Sherwood. Um, solid name. Yeah, solid name, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and we just like we would uh, like uh, he was sort of a little dweeby kid, and I was too. I remember like going over his house and reading uh, Garfield comics until we fell asleep. Because right, I grew up. I know it's like the it's like the easiest thing to make fun of, but I like was I fucking loved Garfield. Yeah, that was like my first intro, and then I got into like Calvin and Hobbes, yeah. and Far Side. But Garfield, and then you're was like the number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like you get them from the Scholastic book order mm-hmm. sheet, and yeah. Like Garfield gets fat, like yeah. I remember that was like one of the books. It's like yeah. really right on the nose, right? Really, <laughs> but and to me it was also fascinating to see like the evolution, like seeing like you know the old Tracy Allman mm-hmm. Simpsons to mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but like seeing the first Garfield that was like, what the fuck is this blob piece yeah. of shit? And now like now like live or like early, like uh, early Peanuts, which yeah. I, I didn't really get into when I was a kid, but now that I'm older, I like. I look at the early peanuts and they're like weird and dark and they're so dark. That's why it's fascinating. Yeah. There's so much melancholic stuff in there. And it's gone into this like very hallmarky like yeah. just thing. But yeah, I do remember one gag in a Garfield 
that still that just blew me away at the time, and it still kind of I think is really impressive. It's like uh, Garfield and Odie are arguing, mm-hmm. and, and he says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna like drop kick you into next week," and then he like kicks him, and there's some gag, and then like seven seven yeah. strips go by, and then like seven days later, uh, Odie lands, and and I was like. It just blew my mind. It was I like remember a, that. Yeah. I remember being like, that's a really good joke, I yeah. think. I'm yeah. like seven, but that seems... That's a solid... That's a commitment. Yeah, like a wall... Like a, you know, a meta joke, but also like... Also like, because like at the time, like they were published in books. Yeah. But that was just like every day in a strip. Yeah. So like somebody read it Monday and then the following Monday... <laughs> yeah. They're like, Just out of what? nowhere, a dog lands. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that being really impressive. And so, uh, I also like... Also, at one point at Danny Sherwood's house, I remember we found a, a, a deflated balloon with a tiny little uh, footprint on it. And rather than assume that at one point it was a full balloon uh-huh. that someone had stepped on yep. and then had since been deflated, uh, we assumed that there were like uh, dwarves and elves that were running around his house. And oh. so we like set up traps and put out food and like tried to stay up all night uh-huh. to find them. Uh, and we did, we did not succeed. Sadly. Yeah, no, but, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a spoiler. So anyways, I just, when I left, I just remember, like, just being heartbroken, like, when I moved to, to Germany and writing letter after letter uh, to Danny Sherwood, and it's like I was in fourth grade, I guess, maybe fifth grade. But, you know, when you're, a, when most kids that age, even if you're good friends with someone else, you're not going to sit around and write letters all day. It doesn't stick, also. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the things, I think that's just, like, everything is so heightened yeah. that what is your world today by next week it's totally different totally upside and down and for Danny Sherwood his world did, he didn't change didn't change yeah. so I didn't get any letters back from Danny Sherwood yeah. which was rough I do remember at one point one of my parents actually like like just cause I was like inconsolable uh, and was not making a lot of new friends and like calling up and talking to someone like Danny Sherwood's parents and like being like hey it would be really great yeah just <laughs> send could, something like, send something and I think I think there was probably a letter or two in there but yeah, you know, I was just a shy, nerdy kid, and yeah. and literally a whole new country and a whole new world, and it was just, you know, it was it was it was not easy. And you know, in in Colorado, it was a school with a, a lot of different kinds of kids and fairly big. And then Germany, it's kind of big, but mostly you know purely military. And then, oh, military kids. Yeah, I imagine that's. Did you feel like there was the same level of, not even ethnically, but diversity in terms of uh, spirit and personality? There was actually a lot more ethnic diversity than there yeah. was, like, kind of personality diversity. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the military has a long history of, uh, of recruiting uh, people from sort of minority groups because sure. they need the, the soldiers. Um, and so I, I grew up with a lot of kind of cultural and racial diversity, but there was sort of a solid sort of baseline tone of... of Homogeni- uh, yeah, homogenization of, like... Kind of a macho-y kind yeah. of... You know, and not to say that there were bad people, although there certainly were bad people amongst them. But sure, as in anywhere. You know, I ended up finding a couple of kids who, you know, that uh, that I kind of did okay with in that in that world. And then, but then by that point, you know, it's it's a few years in, and then you know, at least at that point in the military, the the the, the sort of tour of duty for each place was about three years, and right. it was time to move again. So did you did you resent this? The oh, fact yeah. that you felt like so uh, disjointed and and uncomfortable was this like something that you resented your mom or your stepdad or your dad for not doing more? I mean, how did this like manifest? I don't know itself? if I resented them as much. I mean, I definitely resented the kids around me. Um, I do remember. I think I resented my stepdad a little bit, but I don't. 
I don't I don't think I really had that strong feelings against him. I just knew this was a system. Like I, I felt like I resented the system that it, I remember actually um, sitting down to write a letter to 60 Minutes at some point. I think this is after I moved to Belgium, so I was, like, I was older. Uh, it was probably seventh eighth grade. I don't know something like that. Still, so. that's the thing that most not most seventh eighth graders do. <laughs> and just to be like, hey, this is a story. You should talk about how hard it is for kids to move around. And oh, like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's heartbreaking that you had the wherewithal to do that, but also like, hey, this is something that is not given voice to. Yeah, I mean, I think that was my way of like shaving, you know, my mohawk or shaving my beard yeah. at that point, where I'm like, so I want, I want someone to give some attention to this thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't. I don't even know if I was able to find like an address to send it to. I, right. I, it may have never even got sent, but I just remember thinking like, this is this is something that's important to think about, like the 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 happiness of of these kids, by which I meant myself. Yeah. Uh, but feeling like totally untethered, right? Yeah, yeah. And by that point, I was in Belgium, which was a much smaller school. Right. There was um, 25 to 30 kids per grade. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And it was a very just even, is, even harder to find like sort of the the people that I could connect to in such a small yeah, sample size. Not that many people to connect with, and that dating pool has got to be real tiny. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, was, I, I left um, after my sophomore year, and... I wasn't. No one was dating me. No one was dating me. So yeah, it didn't, that didn't matter so much. I could. I had. A, I, had a, I had a couple crushes because you know it's high school. Yeah, that's what you do. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I. It was. It was not. And I found a couple of friends, but it was the school. Something like seventy-five to eighty percent of the school played a played a sport after school. Mm-hmm. So there's actually like a few buses that left after school, and then there was like most of the buses hung out for after like the sports practices, and then right. like they would go. Um, and uh, I tried to do like JV basketball, but I, f- I hated it. I yeah. just, I've never been a f- like people assumed that I was tall, that I would be good at it. But that's I was, always the thing, just yeah. like because you don't know, like, well, this is what way I can relate to you. Do you do this thing? Yeah, but I just didn't. I just didn't. I yeah. hated it so much. And I remember at one point there was like an away game to go play another military school uh, somewhere. I think probably in Germany or something. I remember throwing my um, my basketball shoes away and then telling the coach that someone had stolen my shoes. Because oh, I man. really didn't want to go on this trip, like because I actually didn't relate to any of them. Yeah, like, and they, you know, rightfully were not like, like I was not good at this game that we were all playing, and that was what was valued, like mm-hmm. obviously, um, and so they didn't really like but, me yeah, all that right. much. Yeah, well, but someone, yeah, I think the coach found Coach Fiedler, found the shoes in the in the trash. Was like, oh, I found them. I'm like, great, okay, great. Guess we're going to Germany. Guess we're going there. You know, like a four-hour bus ride. Oof. Play some basketball and four-hour bus ride back. Oh, and God. then if I play basketball, I would sit on the bench and pray that I wouldn't be put in. Yeah. And uh, and then I usually wasn't like the last minute if it was a blowout one way or another. And yeah. I hated it. I hated it. Because I couldn't, I couldn't even not be average at it. I couldn't. I could definitely not be good at it. Yeah. But I couldn't even like hit like the baseline, and that was miserable for me. But what a fucking fascinating and heartbreaking like call for help. Just mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm willing to like boldface lie and throw away something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in order to get out of this thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I hated it. Uh, so at what point did you start to feel like uh, I don't hate everything? Was it like mm-hmm. was it did it take having to go to college or did it coming back to the states? Somewhat. Um came back to the states and I lived with my father for the past for the final few years of high school um, and it was there that 
part of the, my dad got me into a, a private school in Connecticut. And um, one of the things, one of the sort of just entry things is that, you know, I went to get a, like a psychological test. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were like, oh, so you're like massively clinically depressed. And I was like, what, so, what, huh? Uh-huh. Um, and I remember like excitedly calling my mom. This is actually one of the hardest, uh, and it's not, not any fault of her own, but it's just like the hardest thing to hear in my life for me was I remember calling my mom just excited because I was like a, I was so confused as to why I was so unhappy, why I wasn't able to like, like I remember like sitting in, in, in Germany or, or Belgium, like looking at homework and like crying, just like not being able to do the homework, right. like just not having energy, not having like uh, giving enough of a shit and then, the, but knowing, still having the guilt of like, why can't I do this? Yeah. Um, and so I remember after getting this sort of uh, psychological test and they're like, you're, you know, you're depressed and you probably should go to therapy. Uh, calling my mom being like mom there's there's like I, we did tests and they, they say I'm like depressed like I was excited to have like yeah. a thing that defined what was you know you know whatever half a decade or whatever of of sort of unhappiness uh, yeah. and and toughness and my mom being like oh yeah honey we know and I was like uh, uh. I mean she oh. meant it she meant it like you are going through a tough time right but for me, it was like, I've been having this horrible time yeah. that I didn't know how to get out of, and I didn't know it was not something that was like just completely abnormal. Like, yeah. to give it a name means that there's a, you know, a, a shape to it that means that like, I'm, I'm not alone in this difficult thing. Yeah, it's like uh, if you never knew what a cold was, and then all yeah. of a sudden you can't breathe out of your nose, yeah. and you're like, is this just forever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if someone says, oh, that's a cold, here's an antihistamine, you'd like, be like, oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. I have uh, a friend of mine who told me a fascinating story about uh, her dad who when she was in I guess college he got like progressively like more and more erratic and his behavior became very weird and he started like shutting down and he couldn't hold a job and he just became like someone that she didn't recognize until finally like he was it, it culminated that he was in they it finally got taken to the hospital because like your like his bills were like his electricity mm-hmm. wasn't on because he just wasn't taking care of himself mm-hmm. and she said this thing that i thought that was really interesting when she remember being in the emergency room with him and having all these tests taken um and he was just like on the verge of like crying and being like she's like are you nervous about what the results are going to be and he, she's and he said that i am but only that it's going to say that i'm normal Oh. And that this is just yeah. this is just me. This is just yeah. And it ended up that he had like some sort of tumor sitting on his like frontal lobe or oh, something, so yeah. it was like causing all this. Yeah. But like yeah. he was just terrified. That, is this just me? Yeah. And I think that's like the scary thing when like something's off, and when yeah. somebody gives it a name, like oh no, this you're yeah. depressed. Yeah. You're like oh my god, thank God. And it wasn't obviously as serious as as a as a tumor, but no, the same but time, just, that was just me for like six years. Yeah. Like, I and didn't not know, knowing that that's yeah, and that that wasn't a failing in me. Like that's what it mm-hmm. felt like. Is like. I was consistently failing to be, you know, as successful as I should be being a gifted kid, Mm -hmm. as uh, happy as I should be, as well-adjusted as I should be. It just was all, like, my failing up until that point. Um, And not not that that turned a light switch in it. In fact, it actually, I think once you start, like, exploring some of those things, it gets harder before it gets easier sometimes, you know? Yeah. And that was the case for me in, in like, high school. Uh, I I think it was probably only after... A couple of years, like I went through high school and I sort of dicked around uh, a little bit. Didn't go to college because I didn't 
know what I wanted to do. Right. I didn't understand college. Everyone around me like knew like what their schools were, their safety schools, and I didn't. Right. I just had no idea what any of that was. And we had a guidance counselor who I, w I went to her and I'm like, I like writing, but I also like graphic design. And she's like, Have you thought about University of Connecticut? And I was like, What? That just happens to be the closest school. That's the only school that you know. Why, yeah. Uh, so I worked at a bookstore for a couple of years, and it was only after a couple of years at that bookstore that I really began to take a little bit stock of my life and realized that I wanted to go to college and I wanted to pursue writing. And that's when I think it was the first time that I was like genuinely like turned a corner in, right. in that way. Because you felt like you had like some sort of direction? Yeah. And I yeah. felt, yeah, I felt like I had direction. I felt like, so when I did go to college, I felt like I had a, a, a clear enough focus as to what I wanted and enough of a, having spent a couple of years, you know, with a job paying a rent. Yeah. Um, to know like, oh, this is the steps I have to take to be, right. to, to do that thing. So, so yeah, it probably wasn't only until, until then that I really sort of began to turn around. I, I, right. I, I can't even say it's like a complete transformation because these are things that we live with our whole sure. lives. Did you, um, it was a while ago, so I think it was like a little bit, viewed a little bit differently, but did you ever delve into, um, uh, medically like ways of like because I feel like that is the thing now like any sort of level yeah. of depression like here yeah. try Ativan try Xana whatever sure you know I did I definitely did and I feel like to some degree I mean it, it and I still am like I, it's, on, it's an ongoing thing um, and I understand the uh, skepticism uh, about about like medicating like especially children but like I feel like I probably had my life saved by that yeah like, like having some sort of even if it's a placebo effect i don't know sure. but like who cares like uh yeah having something you know it, it it's not a thing it's not like a uh you know black hole sun video where suddenly everyone's smiling wide it's, yeah, it's uh not soma yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's it's uh it it at best takes you back to sort of like a a base level so you can like build your life off of but, yeah uh yeah i honestly I, I did and still do and and I think it you know I think it was like hugely important for me um, and I think that's part of you know there's this there's this well documented thing that when kids sometimes get on antidepressants they actually get enough of a you know they sort of get enough of their focus and energy back sometimes to actually do themselves harm right when, when they couldn't before uh, and I think I think there was a little bit of that with me you know, just having enough of a focus to to realize just how many problems I had to sort of like still sort through. Right. And that was that was tough. Because yeah. the fog has lifted a little bit, and you yeah. just have clarity. And you have like you more mean like, oh, look, this is now I can see. Yeah. I can see like the large distance I have to go, and it's it's daunting. And I'm not just seeing this one tree. Like, yeah. There's a whole forest. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking forest. God, God damn, damn forest. this forest. Yeah. So uh, I mean. That, that was difficult. Yeah, I would imagine, especially like as a child, um, not having the, the lexicon to like even know what that is. Like I always think of, this is like maybe the, the terrible example, but like the, the, the um, I maybe made this example on the podcast before, but like the David after dentist, mm -hmm. where it's just like first time experience. Like yeah. is this life now? Is yeah. this just what it is? Yeah. Because you don't have any, you don't have any you don't have any other experiences to be you like oh no. this, this this will pass yeah or yeah to even recognize 
I don't know. I found like in, in times in my life when I've been definitely depressed, I haven't even like really realized it until afterwards. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah. It just feels like a little bit like I'm just not excited. Yeah. But then after the fact, like, oh no, that was definitely just like depression. Yeah. When it, instead of just being like, why can't I just like get fucking get excited about things? Yeah. And you're like blaming yourself as opposed to just yeah. being like, oh, there's like something like probably perhaps a little chemically off. Yeah, it's weird. It's uh, not to get too nerdy on you, but like I, I think of that. I think of the government definition of recession and depression, mm-hmm. which is has for recession, it's two quarters of negative growth, which means you can't know that you were in a recession right. until after you've already been in it for six months. That's fascinating. I think that's kind of true of like yeah. emotional states too. Like you have to have been in it and maybe even getting out of it by the time you go, you can have enough perspective to look back and be like, oh yeah, that was not good. That was bad. Yeah. That was bad. That was consistently something was going on for a large part of my life. So That's fascinating. Uh, you know, is that anything that's ever been like, has that ever been attributed to mental health as well? Or is this just purely an opus thing? Oh, I think it's just just a me thing. Like a, but that's fascinating, though. A guy who's like had to like study like weird random bits of yeah. of political life and economic stuff just for job by job. Uh, but I also find all that stuff fascinating. I, I may have made that analogy before. But, but it's great, though. Yeah, I, I think it's... It's true. And I think, I mean, I don't know how much you've had this experience, but like when you get to be an adult and you put things that you've been through as a child in a perspective of an adult and you go, oh, that was supremely weird or like Mm -hmm. that was a strange thing or even maybe a bad thing that happened to me that I didn't even know because I was a kid and like I have no, nothing to compare it to. Like I had that one life and that was it. Yeah, I mean, just it's something I hadn't thought about for many, many years, but just we were talking about earlier, just like the idea of like sneaking out of my room mm-hmm. so I could sit uh, just around the corner, just, you know, 10 yeah. feet away from just to listen for like hours, my parents argue. Yeah. And like, why would that be a thing that I would want to do yeah. and yearn to do? That can't be healthy. <laughs> but it was like something that like I would hear it and be like, well, I got to see what this is about. Yeah, I got to find out. Because it was like a little bit like, you know... I think is also what you're talking about like you get to sleep on the fold out couch yeah. it's like oh well this is this is interesting I don't know what's happening but I want to be a part of this in some capacity even and though I know a, I'm not supposed to be and it's a peak I mean it's, it's because you're not supposed to be to some degree yeah. I'm sure like you know it's a peek into this thing that like they're clearly trying to keep from you yes. you know like when my Which parents smartly so yeah right yeah my parents were on the porch talking about divorce they were like they were not trying to you know involve us yeah. we wanted to go and listen so uh, yeah it's it's sort of this forbidden thing and but it sort of sticks with you for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, uh, my years in high school in, uh, in, in Connecticut, when I moved back in with my dad, were not necessarily any uh, brighter. In fact, probably a little bleaker. Right. Um, because of it. Because um, you had a name for it now. It was yeah. like the first like euphoric, like, oh, it's this thing I'm going through. Yeah. Oh, it's this fucking this thing, thing I'm going I'm through. Getting, yeah, I'm going to continue to go through and like, yeah. continue to have problems with. Uh, so... It was it was a it was a rough patch, you know, and my uh, my dad is like you know, supportive, but um, also of a different generation, right? And so while he, you know, did his best to be supportive, it also was like just not a, and when you're you know sixteen, whatever. It, Nothing. No one ever. No adult ever understands you. Um, well, because everybody's a little bit of a maniac at sixteen. Yeah, and it's I, also I, like yeah. put a lot of stock into like some what a sixteen year old says. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I'm super happy. Oh, I'm fucking so, like those things exist like they're paper thin apart from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but like that's probably when I got most into beginning to write more is in that is in that period. So that there's you know there's a small silver lining of yeah. like uh, I had some friends in 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 that high school that we just created things for the for shits and giggles of yeah. creating things. We like did a made a video game about this guy named Stan who who we saw one day stocking our Coke machine in our school. Uh-huh. So we made a whole video game about Stan the Coke machine. That's guy. An actual video game. Yeah, I mean, it was That's like a, 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 you know, I did a graphic adventure where you'd, you know, click uh-huh. on, like, here's what I'm going to do now, and you'd go yeah. to the next thing. Uh, and you were Stan trying to stock the video game, and we uh, stocked the uh, Coke machine, and uh, it was, yeah. I mean, doing shit like that, just like, let's just do this, was like kind of a new thing. I mean, and it feels like somewhat euphoric, like, oh, oh yeah. this is like what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is way better than, I don't know, doing the uh, Oedipus. Yeah. Uh, well, it was like, it, yeah, it's like you, you know, didn't have to find that, you know, excuse to do something yeah. interesting and creative. You're like, oh, why don't we just like, if you're around other interesting creative people, you could just do those things. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it did, you know, did that, did like, I remember making weird like fake pamphlets when the, the Connecticut governor's race was going on and mm-hmm. we like did this pamphlet um, and like I made photocopies at Kinko's where my friend Jules had a job. So we made like, you know probably something like 50 photocopies and like put right. it in people's windshield wipers just like of like this weird cam- pamphlet full of lies and weird photoshops where we like shrink the guy's uh, I can't remember the guy's name now but we shrunk his face on his head so he had like looked like a really big head and a really tiny like, face like a Dick Tracy character yeah, yeah. exactly and like and, but like just made the, especially the one on the front was just weird enough that you didn't notice and then like as you looked inside it was like Go more and more like this like we put his head on the photo of this like this guy playing tennis and put like tennis balls like flying all around him. It just looked insane and just just what why because we were just felt like a fun thing to do and, and also like needing an outlet. And it's yeah, also like yeah. the first time like exercising a muscle. Like yeah. oh, this makes me feel things that yeah. I like. Yeah, exactly. As we opposed a, to what I was feeling previously, which was not. And but it is. It's also like in the midst of all of that too. So it's like this weird sort of mix where it's right. like you get to have these moments of of real sort of joy and fun and discovery, but uh, you know they are there because you're reaching for something you know right uh so you know i wrote a screenplay with my friend in, in high school which looking back you is, wrote a full-on screenplay in high school yeah that's amazing looking back it was completely a ripoff of brazil terry gilliam's movie like but that's something which, i mean that's a that's a fucking big swing for like a 16 it's a good movie to rip off but it's sure. still like you know it's still a complete ripoff of brazil i i went back and found the script on like an old hard drive somewhere and and then I don't know, this is 10 years ago I like rewrote it to make it less awful because I knew more but uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah it was sort of stuff like that like where I finally began, began to like and that's why I feel like you know even though that was during high school and like it took me a couple more years I finally realized like oh this is something I really want to do like for reals and I don't know about how you felt but like I knew that there were people that did stuff like writing comedy for TV yeah. but there was no at least in my view anything I could see and the you know guidance counselor who only knew the one school um, I didn't know the path like I didn't know like I didn't know about Second City there was no you know UCB yeah uh, that it, it, it was just like I all I knew all I knew was that um, a lot of comedy writers came out of the um, the Harvard Lampoon mm-hmm. and that so I didn't even know that till college though yeah I knew it only because I was getting in that area of the world a little bit more well it, and yeah and probably because we were in that area but I was working in this bookstore in Connecticut a Borders bookstore in Farmington, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and we would get the Harvard Lampoon in our little periodical sure. section. 
And so I was reading that and sort of like connecting that to other things that had already happened in the National Lampoon. I knew a little bit about comedy, like stuff right. in the past. Um, but that's all I knew. It was like, and I just, it didn't seem like being a comedy writer could actually be a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I went purely purely at, like, I did, like, a bunch of theater in yeah. middle school and high school, and that's what I went to went to school for, was mm-hmm. for acting. And only then was like, oh, I like this writing thing. But, yeah. like, I just knew that, like, I liked, uh, like, TV and movies yeah. and shit, and I liked theater, and I liked, like, the feelings that, that evoked. Yeah. But I didn't fully get that, like, I just went at, straight, straight at it, like, the thing that I saw was the people performing. Yeah. So, this is evo- that this is what's making me feel things. So I want to be like that person because yeah, yeah. they're making me feel this way. So that's like what I got into, and I still like that stuff. But yeah. like I didn't realize that like I didn't realize there was other options beyond that yeah. until like I got more into it. Until I got into college and like started like you know writing in comedy troops mm-hmm. or just like having more of a recognition of beyond just like off Broadway and like just things I saw on television. Mm-hmm. Like I knew there was writers, but I didn't. I don't know. I just yeah. never felt like a. It never, never felt like an option. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't for me either, I guess, and, I, and it felt like, I mean, I liked performing as well, but I kind of, and I still do, but I don't feel like... We were, we were in rival comedy tours. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. were, yeah. Uh, but I don't feel like it was like, you know, I, when I moved out to LA at first, I'm like, I would like to be either an actor or a writer. Like, I mm-hmm. was sort of like felt somewhat equal, but um, I don't know. And I still like performing, but I just feel like it's just not the number one thing, but... But yeah, the, the the idea that someone could be a like you could see actors, you could see like oh that's what that job is yep. like, the job of a comedy was so opaque and like so yeah. un, not understood. But I do remember like watching like old like you know twelve thirty Letterman when I was like twelve or something and being like this is weird and cool and like yeah. I felt a part of a thing like in a way like I, I have to kind of force myself to remember that like that and like Mystery Science Theater and like shit that I'd watched really yep. like in the early nineties. It was like, you know, before the internet was really as big as it was, and so, like, to find this niche thing mm-hmm. that connected to you was this revelatory moment, because it wasn't like you could go, like, searching for, you know, yeah. any sort of comic or, you know, uh, album, or you couldn't get everything. Not everything was instantly available, and so when you found it, it had this... Yeah, when you found it, and then also subsequently when you found, like, other people who were also into it, yeah because there wasn't... There wasn't message boards. There yeah. wasn't like you know following uh, whoever this fucking person is on Instagram. Yeah. You're just like, oh, you're also into mystery science theater. Yeah, we're gonna be friends. That's cute because yeah. that's that's more of we have more in common already than ninety nine percent of the people I know. Yeah, or you're you're not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you, yeah. and then I'm gonna be that like I'm gonna be your. I'll like, be the, the the gatekeeper. Yeah, which is yeah. which is very cool. So, yeah, all those things had a huge influence, but I just didn't know it was a thing I could actually do. Um, but then I just sort of eventually just went decided like after working in a bookstore for a couple of years I was working there and I remember like I feel like as I get old I my memory is just shot to hell but at the time I remember like if someone would ask me for a book particularly if it happened like more than once and it was like oh that's a you know that's a novel that's you know written by John Irving and mm-hmm. I, I knew like Right, you know, I didn't need to look it up anymore. I knew like right the shelf to go to and right. and get it. And then it would be like a same thing for like self help or whatever, like cookbooks. Maybe not so much because they're all the same. Sure, but like anything that has somewhat of a recognizable title. I remember after two years of, at this bookstore, like kind of people coming up and asking for like some random book that I had gotten for someone else six months before. And I was like, I remember like I think it also had to do with like I was good with the physical sense of like right. where my memory was, but just being able to like store all that stuff in my brain and being like that's 
not what I want to be using my brain right. for. Yeah. Like, I'm really good at this job, and this is not what I want to be doing. I don't want to. I know I could be really good at this job, and I am, but that's not. It's not, yeah. I'd like to do, I'd like to be better I at another job. I feel like I could do other things, yeah. yeah. And I wasn't at that point anymore, like, creating stuff with friends or anything. I was just sort of like, I was still, still had friends and still was doing stuff, but it. Well, it's not the same sense of community. Yeah. If like you don't have the structure of high school or the structure of college, you're just kind of yeah. living. Yeah. So when I went to college, I was like psyched about it, excited, like eager to go to class, eager yeah. to be a part of different things. And I remember, you know, not wrongfully so, but like other people like who were freshmen were like, just fuck whatever. it, bro. I don't know. I'm just fuck the class. Let's and I'm just gonna... take some bong bingers, yeah, and yeah. do some rips, and chill just out. Hang out. Watch Fight Club. And I was like, but I, but it's okay. We're paying so much money to I be know. here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, I also didn't drink or smoke or do anything when I was in college, or in high school, really. So. Yeah, I didn't do it in high school, and nor did I do much. Actually, I smoked a bunch of pot like early high school, mm-hmm. but then stopped. Uh, and then I it was it took going to Europe to like I finally drank and I was like oh yeah beer's yeah, fun this is this good is, I get this yeah I was sort of like became the guy in college that was like didn't drink yeah. it was never like necessarily my intention like in high school I definitely was my intention to be like I want to be like I'm not drinking I just right there's a lot of people with alcohol problems in my family and sure that's I, a reason to stay away from it yeah and I you know I saw my older sister like not that she has a, any problems but I just remember like seeing her at parties with her like friends like they were drunk and like. I remember seeing this guy in, in Belgium, it was a friend of hers, um, and he was he had his baseball cap on and he wanted to turn his baseball cap brim around to the back mm-hmm. and he had a beer in his hand and he so he reached up and like oh, grabbed no. the brim and he basically just proceeded to like turn his hat around with it forgetting that he had a full beer in his hand and pouring an entire bottle of beer down his own back because he was wicked drunk. Yeah. And I remember being like, Yeah, that doesn't not, look like that's not my jam. I don't want I don't think I want to do that. And it wasn't until you know, my uh, 27 or 28 that I finally was, I was with uh, Grant Wheeler and Omar Naeem, other mm-hmm. Emerson people out in LA and it's like, yeah, let's, let's get some beer and go out to like a campground and, on the PCH and yeah. give this a shot. That's um, not bad. Yeah, it was pretty good. That's a good way to start. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being much of the same way like because I remember just thinking in high school because I think that's, at that point, there's adult drinking which is not the same and then you see your peers drinking it's just like, again, no, they don't know how to what they're doing yeah. it's like their first step so it's just like all basically bad yeah you just act like a fucking idiot yeah and I was like see this and be like why do I want to do like that why yeah. do I want to act like an idiot yeah it seems and that's what stupid. kept me away from it for a and while. I actually kind of miss like because uh, when I was in college I was able to be like kind of silly and goofy I, was, I, was, I quickly realized that we could just match the mood of the room because I was at yeah. I'd go to the parties everyone was drinking that's not a problem um, as long as they're off campus because I was an RA but, sure. um, but yeah. I would go to those parties and people would get drunk and everyone would be like goofing around and like you know loud and you know dancing and, and I was just like I, I can do that too like that's easy mm-hmm. I kind of missed that like uh, faculty to just like slip into that without, yeah. the, without having any uh, drinks in me but um, but yeah at, at the time I finally did it you know Grant my friend was working in a liquor store like knew everything about <laughs> yep. sure. about everything and it was sure. not it was not a childish sort of pursuit it was like a, uh, it was like I felt somewhat adult about it. Yeah, yeah, you're maybe, learning Maybe things. it's similar. Like, I didn't want to be able to drink on an average level. I wanted to be amazing. You didn't want to be an adequate drinker. I wanted to be you an be amazing. A superior drink. You wanted to do an amazing. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, okay, I have a question, because I'm trying, uh, just in uniformity here. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, like, anybody who has had, uh, we've, we've covered a pantheon of things here, but, like, um, 
young depression or uh, 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 young divorce and how that ties in? Like, do you have any advice for anybody? Or like, what, what did you what did you learn from this experience? I think by and large. Jeez, I, I don't know. It is a big question. I don't know that like. I don't know that I've learned anything, <laughs> but uh, but I would say that like for me it was so uh, formative to know that it was not a completely uh, foreign experience. It was not purely born in me. It was like something right. other people were dealing with. Um, uh, and it's just so hard to have that perspective when you're a, a child. So like anyone who I would say who is dealing with that to know like that there is not, uh, you are not necessarily alone. It is not that you are in any way faulty. It is that mm-hmm. like there's, there's stuff that you got to work through and it, and it will, it will be hard and it will, uh, you know, and it will be something that you have probably with you for the rest of your life, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just who you are to some degree and it's not your fault. Um, it's just kind of the human experience. Yeah, it's the human experience. Yeah, and that there are people who understand that. Like it, it. Uh, I remember it feeling very alienating, and still does to some degree. But like, there are people who understand that experience, and people who, uh, you know, can help and want to help, and people who can empathize and want to empathize. You know. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm the best spokesperson. No, well, I think I mean like I I I, I have. Uh, off, off said that like everybody has their shit it's just dressed up differently yeah like you know I had stomach illnesses and had my colon removed mm-hmm. not many people have been through that yeah but like you're but you've gone through an other thing that was like equally formative in another way it's just dressed yeah. up differently but yeah. we all got our stuff yeah 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 it is uh, it is what it is but yeah yeah well thank you sir oh sure is this over I mean, you know, I don't know. It feels like a natural stopping point. Yeah, Is there yeah, anything else that you wanted to uh, delve into? No, there's plenty, but I can, I can cut it off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, good. thanks, man. I yeah, really no appreciate problem. it. My pleasure. Delightful. Thanks for coming over. Look at us go. Yay. Yeah, robots and everything. Yeah, that was good. I see evidence of you and him. There you have it, gang. Another episode. Opus Moreski. How about that guy? He's fun, right? And smart. And, uh, and tall and still wearing the suits. I uh, love that guy. Uh, if you want to see what else is going on with Opus, you can check him out on Twitter. His handle is at HeyIt'sOpus. Again, that's at HeyIt'sOpus. Um, and also watch The Late Show with, with Colbert because, you know, Opus is talented and you should support all of his endeavors. Um, thanks so much for listening, gang. Uh, uh, what else can I say? Oh, us. We are on Twitter. It's at Terribly underscore Funny. We also have a Facebook and an Instagram. It's Terribly Funny Podcast. Um, also, if you love this, if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Also, you can go to our iTunes page. Uh, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. We like those things. Those help us out. Um, or if you just want to say, hey, love the podcast. Love what you're doing. Or, hey, yeah, you know, what you're doing is fine, but I am stuck in this elevator and I just need something to do because I'm bored as shit. You can drop us an email. Our email is terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail.com. It's not .net. I know. Big surprise. Uh, and just uh, leave us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and that's all I have to say for this week, other than uh, thank you so much to Hayden Fongheiser, to Julia Pott, to Kingdom Flying Club for doing all the things that I can't do, like art and music and all the technical stuff. Um, and the biggest thank goes out to you guys. You're all so handsome. You're all so pretty. You're all so smart, clearly. I mean, you're listening to this. Oh, boy. What an ego I have. Um, but thanks, guys. Hope you have a great week. And uh, I just love you. Mwah.